My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed close to the sea. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came forward. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Please, come lay your hands on her, that she may get well and live. He went off with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for twelve years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. She was not helped, but only grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Immediately, her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? But his disciples said to Jesus, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. She fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction. While he was still speaking, People from the synagogue official's house arrived and said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? Disregarding the message that was reported, Jesus said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid. Just have faith. He did not allow anyone to accompany him inside except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they arrived at the house of the synagogue official, he caught sight of a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. So he went in and said to them, Why this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Then he put them all out. He took along the child's father and mother and those who were with him and entered the room where the child was. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl, a child of twelve, arose immediately and walked around. At that, they were utterly astounded. He gave strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Along with courses in scripture and sacraments, church history and morality, 
we had a, a couple classes in seminary that tried to help us learn how to act in different pastoral situations, encounters where, as a priest, we would be called to minister to families going through a whole multitude of different challenges. And over the course of a semester, the priest who was our professor underlined sentences that he said should never be uttered by a priest. Things like, well, they're in a better place, or at least they're not suffering anymore when encountering someone who's, who's lost someone that they've loved and are in deep grief and mourning. Because saying something like that can come across as insensitive or, or seeming to minimize the sufferings of those who are mourning. Or something like, God only tests the ones he loves. Or you have to look for that silver lining when you're meeting someone who's gotten through some difficult or challenging news, like they were just laid off from work or received a bad diagnosis from a doctor. It's true, God does provide the strength and the courage and the grace we need in the face of these and countless other things that we struggle with. But he doesn't cause you to lose that job or unleash some illness on you so you can prove your love for him by seeing whether you're going to remain faithful in the face of these things or not. For some in our class, the, it was a particularly challenging thing for them because they're hearing them as a critique of what they did wrong in evaluating these future priests' responses. And the professor's point to us was that while these sentiments are all well-intentioned and no doubt people saying them are trying to be supportive to someone who's suffering, they can come across as overly simplistic or insensitive or even dismissive to a person's real pain and their real suffering. And I thought about that as I was looking at today's gospel, because in the middle of this sandwich, where on either side we have Jesus performing a miracle, we hear Jesus say something like, do not be afraid, just have faith. Now, coming from Jesus, I'm a bit leery to quote my professor's criticisms, but thinking about some real heavy situations that some friends and some family members and some parishioners are going through just in my own life. I couldn't imagine me saying his words to any of them and in any of these cases. Like the family mourning the suicidal death of a loved one. The husband who keeps hearing that the economy's getting better, unemployment is down, everyone's looking for people to hire, but he can't get a job no matter how many resumes he's sent or how many job interviews he's been on. Or the couple who've separated, they went to counseling, and then one day he kind of shocks her and says he wants the divorce. Just thinking about these and many others and imagining myself saying, do not be afraid, just have faith. I imagine some politely nodding and walking away, rolling their eyes. Or others who are a bit more familiar might have a few other things to say to me in response. And I can't blame them. Because if it's just words... If it's just a phrase to end listening to a painful, difficult conversation of someone going through a painful, difficult experience, they have a right to be angry. They have a right to be ticked off. But Jesus is offering more than just words. He's not just tapping someone on the shoulder saying, there, there, it'll be okay, in a somewhat condescending manner as he just walks away. Jesus shows us what happens when we do have faith. 
This one woman who's been afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years. She had tried everything known at the time to alleviate her suffering to no avail. She's only heard about Jesus. She sees him and she takes the moment. She seizes that moment and reaches out and touches him. That episode interrupts the initial story with this synagogue official, Jarius, who's come to beg Jesus for his daughter's sake, who's so sick that she's at the point of death. By the time Jesus arrives to the house after curing the other woman, people arrive, and it's interesting that they're not categorized as friends or relatives. Maybe the gospel writer, St. Mark, didn't think they truly are by their response. As they say, your daughter's died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? It's in light of the previous miracle, coupled with what had to have been devastating news for this father who had come to beg for Jesus to heal his daughter, that he calls Jairus to deeper faith in the face of deep despair. Do not be afraid, just have faith. Those words are uttered and are recorded and remembered because we're able to see pretty amazing results. The anonymous woman who touched Jesus experienced an instant, complete healing, and then is called daughter, showing that this was more than just curing a physical condition. It was about giving her her true identity back. Jarius, this desperate father, ignores the horrific news, and listens to Jesus. He trusts Jesus. And he witnesses his daughter being brought back to life, restored to complete health. The problem with stories like these, I think, is that we jump ahead and we bring our own expectations to our prayers. So when I hear of an illness, I I can look at prayer as being an antidote. Like, Jesus fixed this, Thanks, and then I return to whatever I was doing before I heard that news. Or on the other side of the spectrum, how often have people criticized someone for saying thoughts and prayers in response to some tragedy? Because it's seemingly empty words that are usually coupled by little to no real action on the part offering those words. When they say thoughts and prayers, do they actually pray? Or is it just something we tweet or post online? Faith in Jesus calls us to believe in him, to trust in him, to know and to love him, to recognize the the precious gift of life that we've been given, to ask him, to listen to him as he guides us throughout our journey of life. So that means to not forget him when things are going well and we imagine somehow that we're truly in control of every aspect of our lives and every part of destiny and to not give up on him when we struggle and we doubt and we fail and are fearful and are tempted to believe faith is useless. It's when we look at faith not as a quick response to an inexplicable situation, but rather a lifetime, or even check that, an eternity of God's goodness, his miraculous unfolding story of love with all of humanity, as well as with each of us individually, whether that's an adult woman who's struggled with a medical condition for 12 years, or a family where this young girl is death-ridden, or you or I. 
who have our own stories, our own struggles, our own cares and worries. It's when we see faith with that vision that Jesus' words not only make sense, but are renewing and life-giving. Do not be afraid. Just have faith. It's as if Jesus were reminding us, I see, I know, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Don't bring your expectations and your demands. Bring yourself to me and trust in me. And then we can just have faith, knowing that in the end, that's the only thing we truly have. That's the only thing we ultimately need.